0: liftoff and the clock has started. This is 20 minutes. You'll never get back. Yes, this is 20 minutes. You'll never get back. My name is Doug Prazak. Thank you very much for tuning and listening. I appreciate it. I know you can spend your 20 minutes anywhere else and you chose to spend them with me. So I appreciate that. And thanks to Timothy from Silvis, uh, Illinois, for being this episode's announcer. Much appreciated, Timothy. Thank you very much. And if you would like to be an announcer, all you have to do is go to 20minutespodcast.com. That's the number two zero and then minutespodcast.com. And on that uh, site there on the left hand side, click on the button that says, oh, sure, I'll be an announcer. What the heck? And uh, it tells you how to do it. And I'd appreciate it. You get, you get, get to announce one of my episodes, you know, a lot of fame and glory in that. Uh, This is episode number 26, and we've been doing this since uh, June and, uh, They said it would never last. I don't know who they is, but they said it would never last. And I proved them wrong. So (laughs) there you go. It's a win for me. I'll take them anywhere I can get them. You know, for the past two episodes, we've talked about uh, Christmas stuff, like uh, Christmas trees and decorations. And the last episode was all about toys. And uh, so now it's time, I think, for the big one. You know, Santa Claus, a.k.a. or also known as St. Nicholas or Kris Kringle or... uh, Father Christmas, uh, whatever you want to call him. Um, The guy's had a long history in Christmas traditions. Now, if I were to ask you to describe Santa Claus, you'd probably say he's kind of a jolly man, albeit a little on the overweight side, Uh, wears a red velvet suit, uh, big white trim, he's a friend to reindeers, has a sleigh who brings toys to good girls and boys on Christmas Eve. Is that close enough? Now, the story actually stretches all the way back to the 3rd century when St. Nicholas walked the earth and became a patron saint of children. Now, you can probably see what's coming. Yep, I did my last research for the year so you don't have to. How about some history of Santa Claus? Now, the legend of Santa Claus can be traced back uh, hundreds of years to a monk named St. Nicholas. Yeah, legitimate guy, St. Nicholas. It's believed that Nicholas was born sometime around 280 A.D. in Patara, that's uh, near Myra in modern-day Turkey. He was very much admired for his humbleness and his kindness, and St. Nicholas became the subject of many legends. It's said that he gave away all of his inherited wealth and traveled the countryside helping the poor and the sick. In fact, one of the best-known St. Nicholas stories is about a poor man who had three daughters. The man was so poor that he did not have enough money for a dowry so his daughters could get married. Uh, One night, Nicholas secretly dropped a bag of gold coins down the chimney and into the house, and that was enough money for the oldest daughter to be able to be married. The bag of coins fell into a stocking that had been hung by the fire to dry. This was repeated later with the second daughter. There you go, stockings hung by the fireplace, just saying. Finally, determined to discover the person who had given him the money, the father secretly hid by the fire every evening until he caught Nicholas dropping the bags of gold coins. Nicholas begged the man not to tell anyone what he had done because he did not want to bring attention to himself. But soon the news got out, and when anyone received a secret gift, it was thought that maybe it was from Nicholas. Nicholas. Over the course of many years, Nicholas's popularity spread, and then he became known as the protector of children and sailors, for some apparent reason. His feast day is celebrated on the anniversary of his death, which is December the 6th. This was uh, considered traditionally as a a very lucky day to make large purchases or to get married. I'm not certain what kind of large purchases they were making back in 300 AD, but That was the day to do it. By the Renaissance, St. Nicholas was the most popular saint in Europe. Even after the Protestant Reformation, when idolizing saints began to be discouraged, St. Nicholas maintained a positive reputation, especially in Holland. In the 16th century in the United Kingdom, particularly in England, he became Father Christmas or Old Man Christmas. In France, he was also known as Pierre Noël. For my French listeners, I am sorry if I botched that up. Uh, I think it's Pierre Noël. Sorry, I took Spanish in high school. Now, good old St. Nicholas had some staying power and his legend maintained. So we're going to jump ahead a couple centuries here. And uh, St. Nicholas made his first inroads into American popular culture towards the end of the 18th century. In December of 1773, and again in 1774, a New York newspaper reported that groups of Dutch families had gathered to honor the anniversary of his death. The name Santa Claus evolved from Nick's Dutch nickname. Is it okay to call him Nick? He I means a saint. Um, well, we'll go the formal route. It evolved from St. Nicholas's Dutch nickname, uh, which was Sinterklaas. And Sinterklaas was actually a shortened form of St. Nicholas. You follow me so far? All right. In 1804, a Dutch fellow named John Pintard, he was a member of the New York Historical Society. He distributed woodcuts of St. Nicholas at the society's annual meeting. Now, the background of these engravings contains a now-familiar Santa Images including the stockings filled with toys and fruit hung over the fireplace. In 1809, Washington Irving helped popularize the Claus stories when he referred to St. Nicholas as the patron saint of New York in his book, The History of New York. Now, as his prominence grew, Claus was described as everything from a rascal with a blue three-cornered hat, Uh, a red waistcoat, and yellow stockings, to a man wearing a broad brim hat and a huge pair of Flemish trunk hose. (laughs) I put that on my Christmas list. A huge pair of Flemish trunk hose. Good old St. Nick keeps evolving in 1822. Clement Clark Moore, you should know that name, but if you don't. Uh, He was an Episcopal minister and he wrote a long Christmas poem for his three daughters entitled An Account of a Visit from St. Nicholas, more popularly known as Twas the Night Before Christmas. Now, Moore was initially hesitant to publish his poem due to the frivolous nature of the subject if you will but he persevered he did he published and now his poem is largely responsible for our modern image of santa claus as a uh, right jolly old elf with uh, let's just say a uh, hefty figure and let's not forget the fact that he has supernatural ability to ascend a chimney with just merely nodding his head although some of moore's um Descriptions of of Santa Claus is probably borrowed from other sources. His poem helped popularize the now familiar image of a Santa Claus who flew from house to house on Christmas Eve in a miniature sleigh led by eight flying reindeer to leave presents for deserving children. The an account of a visit from St. Nicholas created a new and immediately popular American icon. In 1881, political cartoonist Thomas Nast drew on Moore's poem to create the first likeness that matches our modern image of Santa Claus. His cartoon, which appeared in Harper's Weekly, depicted Santa as a rotund, cheerful man with a full white beard holding a sack laden with toys for lucky children. It is Nast who gave Santa his bright red suit trimmed with the white fur, a North Pole workshop, elves, and his wife, Mrs. Claus. And speaking of Mrs. Claus, you're probably saying to yourself, Hey, Doug, does Mrs. Claus have a first name? Well, no. Not only does she not have a first name, uh, her identity is so tied up in her husband that she's basically only known for elf wrangling and cookie baking and assisting putting all those toys together. Since she first emerged in the mid-19th century, Mrs. Claus has been a secondary character who just sort of lives in the shadow of her famous workaholic husband. So she's just good old Mrs. Claus. Back to Santa, through the ages, now Sinter Claus has morphed into the jolly old Santa that we we know in the imagery that's all stuck in our heads. Well, you know, gift-giving mostly centered around children and it's really been an important part of the whole Christmas celebration since the rejuvenation uh, of the holiday back in the early 19th century. Stores began to advertise Christmas shopping in 1820, and by the 1840s, newspapers were creating uh, special sections for holiday advertisements, which often featured images of uh, newly popular Santa Claus. Now, in 1841, Thousands of children visited a Philadelphia shop to see a life-size Santa Claus model. Well, you kind of guessed it. It was only a matter of time before these stores began to attract children and their parents with the lure of a peek at a real live Santa. Perhaps the most iconic department store Santa is Kris Kringle in the 1947 classic Santa Claus movie Miracle on 34th Street. Yep. Natalie Wood played a little girl who believes in Chris Kringle, who was played by Edmund Gwyn, who won an Oscar for that role, by the way. Yes, Natalie Wood believed him. Nobody else did. There is no such thing as Santa Claus. Oh, yes, there is. Then the miracle happened, and well, you know how it ends. Miracle on 34th Street. All right, it's time to take a break. And when we come back, I'm going to talk about some of the Christmas traditions from around the world. Since I have a lot of listeners around the world. Don't go away, I'll be right back. Hello, everybody, hello. Hello, it's the shampoo that glorifies your hair. So, hello, everybody, hello. with off the lively curls. And brightest, sparkling hair So hello, everybody Hello Hello, shampoo Hello right, as promised, we're going to talk about some Christmas traditions You know, in the United States, we have uh, trimming the tree, baking, holiday cookies Last-minute present shopping on Christmas Eve Now, that is a sport right there, let me tell you Try and find that one object on Christmas Eve Nothing quite like that. The thrill of the kill. But there are a lot of other traditions around the world, and I'm going to go through some of them for you in no particular order, and certainly not in alphabetical order. But I'm going to start with Sweden because I love this one. The Yule Goat has been a Swedish Christmas symbol dating back to the ancient pagan festivals. However, in 1966, the tradition got a whole new life after someone came up with the idea to make a giant straw goat now referred to as the gavel goat. According to the official website, the goat is more than 42 feet high, 23 feet wide, and weighs 3.6 tons. Each year, the massive goat is constructed in the same spot. Fans can even watch the live stream from the first Sunday of Advent until after the new year when it's taken down. (laughs) Nothing else to do. Live stream that goat. Uh, under construction. Heading over to the Philippines every year the city of San Fernando holds the Ligligan Parol or the Giant Lantern Festival. This features lanterns that symbolize the star of Bethlehem. Each parol or lantern consists of thousands of spinning lights that light up the night sky. Iceland, similar to the 12 days of Christmas in the United States, Iceland celebrates 13 of them each night before Christmas. Icelandic children are visited by the 13 Yule Lads. After placing their shoes by the window, the little ones will head upstairs to bed. In the morning, they'll either have received candy, if they're good, or they'll be greeted by shoes full of rotten potatoes, if they're bad. Oh, Lord. Splitting our attention to two countries that do the same thing, Portugal and Brazil, the Brazilian and Portuguese families come together on Christmas Eve to eat dinner as late as 10 p.m. Then, at exactly midnight, they exchange gifts, toast, and wish each other a Merry Christmas. The Midnight Mass, the Misa do Gaio, which is the rooster mass, is a chance to meet up with the neighbors and extended family to wish them well for the holiday season. The service is often followed by fireworks in the town square. Next up is Poland. On Christmas Eve in Poland, many families share opłatek, which is an unleavened religious wafer. Each person breaks off a piece as they wish each other Merry Christmas. Now, dinner may not begin until the first star appears in the night sky. Lordy, I hope for those nice people in Poland that Christmas Eve is not overcast. Can you imagine <laughs> pulling back the curtains and looking out the window and? Seeing that it's overcast and you can't see anything out there, they're all going, oh, no, dinner. Traditionally, they leave an extra setting at the table should someone show up uninvited, unless that someone looked out the window (laughs) and saw that it was overcast and decided to go to Burger King. In Finland on Christmas morning, Finnish families traditionally eat a porridge that's made of rice and milk and topped with cinnamon, milk, or butter. Whoever finds the almond placed in one of the puddings wins, but most families cheat and hide a few almonds so the kids don't get upset. At the end of the day, it is customary to warm up the sauna together. Nothing says Christmas like the whole family climbing into a sauna. Before Christianity came to the Danes uh, in Denmark, Christmas Day was a celebration of brighter days, or joel, as occurred just before winter solstice. Today, homes are decorated with superstitious characters called Nisser, who are believed to provide protection. On the evening of December 24th, Danish families place their Christmas tree in the middle of the room and they dance around while singing carols. That sounds like a lot of fun. In New Zealand, because Christmas time for the Kiwis falls in the middle of summer, a number of their traditions center around a Barbie or a grill where families and friends gather for a casual cookout, you know, seafood, meat. The New Zealand Christmas tree is the pohutukawa, a coastal species that blooms bright red in color in December, providing shade during the sunny days as they sing carols in both English and Maori. Back over to Europe and Ireland. uh, The Irish leave a tall red candle in a front window overnight, which is a welcoming symbol of warmth and shelter for the holiday season. Alpine countries like Austria have a legend that a devil-like creature called Krampus joins their St. Nicholas festivities on December the 6th. Children are asked for a list of their good deeds and bad deeds. Good children are rewarded with sweets, apples, and nuts. And bad children worry about what Krampus might bring them on Christmas morning. <laughs> oh. Can you imagine going to bed and trying to get to sleep, worrying about what you did wrong all year and what Krampus is going to do to you? And our last stop is in Japan. Now, although Christmas isn't a national holiday in Japan, yet citizens still find an interesting way to celebrate. Rather than gathering around the table for a turkey dinner, families head out to their local Kentucky fried chicken. (laughs) True. The tradition began in 1974, after a wildly successful marketing campaign called Kurisumasu Niwa Kentucky, or Kentucky for Christmas. Did you like my Japanese? That's right. The fast food chain has maintained its yuletide popularity, causing some people to order their boxes months in advance or stand in two-hour-long lines to get their bucket of Christmas dinner. So there you have it, some Christmas traditions from around the world. I'm sorry I couldn't get to even more of them, but, you know, I'm running out of time. I only have 20 minutes. Uh, But I do want to leave you with this one little extra little bit of Christmas uh, trivia. Rudolph, you know, the most famous reindeer of all. Well, Rudolph was born over 100 years after his eight flying counterparts. The Red Nose Wonder was the creation of Robert L. May. Now May was a copywriter at the Montgomery Ward Department Store. In 1939, May wrote a Christmas-themed story poem to help bring holiday traffic into his store. Using a, a similar rhyme pattern to Moore's Twas the Night Before Christmas, May told the story of Rudolph, a young reindeer, who was teased mercilessly by the other reindeer because of his large, glowing red nose. But when Christmas Eve turned foggy and Santa worried that he wouldn't be able to deliver gifts that night, the former outcast saved Christmas by leading the sleigh by the light of his red nose. Rudolph's message, that given the opportunity, a liability can be turned into an asset, proved to be very popular. Montgomery Ward sold almost 2.5 million copies of the story in 1939. When it was reissued in 1946, The book sold over three and a half million copies. In 1949, one of May's friends, Johnny Marks, wrote a short song based on Rudolph's story. It was recorded by Gene Autry and sold over two million copies. Since then, the story has been translated into 25 different languages. That will wrap up Christmas, and that will wrap up episode 26. What have we learned? Well, we learned that uh, St. Nick was a legit do-gooder. We learned I'm going to have nightmares about Krampus. And we learned that according to Robert May, Donner, and Blitzen, and the rest of those uh, Hoove were a bunch of users. I mean, they wanted nothing to do with Rudolph until they needed his big red headlight. Uh, This podcast ends season one. I'm going to take two or three weeks off, enjoy the holidays, but I will be back after the first of the year. I want to give very special thanks to you guys, the listeners. I mean, otherwise I'd just be talking to a room all by by myself. And so I do appreciate that. And we just celebrated a milestone. Yes, I uh, had our 1000th download. And that's because you guys, I can't download 1,000 of these things myself. You all did it. I appreciate it. I really, really do appreciate it. This podcast has been downloaded in 29 different countries. So I I thank everybody globally. Um, I would like to wish all of you and your families a very Merry Christmas, no matter how you celebrate it, whether it's decorating a 42-foot goat or putting your Christmas tree in the middle of your room and dancing around it. No matter how you celebrate it, uh, have a great Christmas. And then we can finally say goodbye to the terrible year that was known as 2020. And let's all keep our fingers crossed that 2021 is far better. Uh, My time is up. It's been 22 minutes. I appreciate it. Uh, This has been 22 minutes. You'll never get back. Merry Christmas, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hi, it's me again, Doug. I want to take up a couple more seconds of your time just to remind you, if you want to stay informed of when uh, the next podcast is posted, all you need to do is sign up at uh, on that Instagram machine. It's at 20-MYNGB, uh, 20-MYNGB, and that means 20 minutes you'll never get back. Uh, if you sign up there, you'll uh, always see when the next podcast is uploaded. And if you want to leave some comments, by all means, please do go to the website at 20minutespodcast.com. So it's 20minutespodcast.com. And uh, you can uh, leave your comments there. It also tells you how you can be an announcer for the show. So take take a look at those two things if you'd like and stay informed. And I'll, as always, thank you very much for listening to uh, 20 Minutes. You'll never get back. Bye-bye.